What's up, you bunch of foosballs? We're here today with the Starving Podcast, and I'm going to introduce a few of our sponsors. The first is Geno Palette. They're a company that analyzes your DNA and tells you about what food sensitivities you might have and how you process protein, carbs, and fat. We truly feel that this is the future of customized nutrition, not an app and not anything else. Learn more about your body and go to genopalette.com or use the link for $20 off using code CBG. Our other sponsor today is X Endurance. This is one of the only supplement companies out there that third-party tests their products. So if you're a high-performance athlete, you're going to want to make sure there isn't anything illegal inside your supplements. Also, if you're targeting weight loss, these products are extremely quality, and whatever it says is on the bottle is actually in there because they get someone outside of their facility to test their products. Our third sponsor is Perform Asleep. So whether uh, you want to make your wife happy or your husband happy and get them a nice new bed that feels like you're sleeping on a cloud, you can get the California King. And if you're a lonely bastard, you can get the, the regular old single. Totally up to you. Regardless, all the mattresses have copper infused inside of them, which is antimicrobial. So uh, Perform Asleep is optimized with some of the best athletes in the world how to target optimal sleep. And as you know, as we've talked on the podcast several times before, that sleep is pretty important for recovery and weight loss. So uh, use the code uh, in, our, in our show notes and you can get $75 off your first bed with Performance Sleep. Our last sponsor is Consistency Breeds Growth. Let's just say I have connections. These goons, they basically will optimize your nutritional profile specifically for you and tell you exactly what to eat, when to eat, and how much to eat for every meal. They believe that every single person on the planet is different, which is why so many different diets exist. So should you be following a vegan diet? Should you be following a keto diet? Should you be on a high-carbohydrate diet? Let them evaluate this and let them tell you what you need to be doing to reach your goals. So we have a special uh, guest today, one of my best friends, Macy Chasson. So please stay tuned and get ready for an exciting one. It's science. All right, what's up, everybody? How we doing? Hello. Hello. Hey, so today uh, we're going to have a special guest on. Uh, her name is Macy Chasson. She's born and raised near New Orleans, which is where I'm originally from. Uh, she is the winner of the Ultimate Fighter 28, and she is currently a professional UFC fighter uh, in the bantamweight division. Uh, and for those of you um, that love UFC because you like seeing people get beat up, but you don't actually know anything else about the weight divisions or anything else. Bantamweight is 125 pounds to 136 pounds. Um, she has a professional record of 7-1, and one, and she's 4-1 and one in the UFC. Uh, I've had the pleasure of working with Macy um, for her last fight, uh, which she won. And um, she is one of the most disciplined athletes that I've ever worked with on the planet. Um, and she's going to tell us a lot uh, today about her, her journey, um, you know, in mixed martial arts and fighting and tell us really what it takes. And we'll go through a lot of, uh, a lot of other stuff about how we helped you drop 25 pounds in a short period of time, which is what people want to do, but it's not the most healthy way, but it's what needs to be done. 
of course, to um, to fight at a at the correct weight division in the UFC if you want to be bigger in the cage. So, Macy, what's going on? Well, first off, I want to say thank you for uh, having me on the podcast. And uh, second off, thank you for calling me your best friend. Um, that really took me for a loop. Nice. <laughs> I, tell, I say that every time I talk to you. <laughs> I hope it offends your actual best friend. Like, I hope they um, hear this and they're like, what the? <laughs> my best my friends are pretty laid back. Um, all my friends are in New Orleans, so. Yeah. Um, it's pretty uh it's pretty straightforward here in Dallas since I've moved here to kind of further my career in MMA. You know, it's more like business when I'm here in Dallas. It's there's no outside like forces like directing me like, "Hey, let's go out, let's go eat, let's go do this," you know. It's real hard to uh to be professional in New Orleans. Like professional athlete, say the least. Yeah. Yeah, if um yeah, if I, if I remember right, Mardi Gras was right after your last fight. Yeah. And you went down to Mardi Gras and immediately was like, this is an absolute tragedy. I need to leave here yeah. immediately. <laughs> it was awful. It was awful. I left on Mardi Gras day. I drove back to Dallas Tuesday, Fat Tuesday, just because like, my body just was not used to any of that food or, or you know, being out late and partying and... It just was awful. I just did not have a good experience, and I keep doing it after each fight. And I'm like, I just I need to go to the beach or something. Like I need to go to like a remote island after I fight. Yeah, no, Mardi Gras is definitely not the place to be for recovery. Uh, it'll put you in mm. a deeper hole. We'll leave it to yeah. Matt, your brother, to party for Mardi Gras. Yeah, he can. He, you know what? He knows how to do it. So he does. He oh, I started all, working all three with him. Of us. Yeah, I started I started working with him a couple of weeks ago and uh on his nutrition. He's he's crushing it. He's feeling really good. He said he's eating more food than he ever has, so Yeah, he texted That's me good. the other day and he was like, I've already gained a pound and a half and I was like, dude, you probably weren't eating like enough or every time I see his like his posts on Instagram, I see like a po boy, I'm like dude <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's not gonna work. Um yeah, yeah. He 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 sent me some pictures of him, some some nudies. Ooh. No, I'm just kidding. But uh. I know you're I know you're into that. That's why you're in the business. That's we'll exactly exactly. I'm like, give me your pictures, and then I just never text people back. Or you're like stalking people on the Roop app, like talking about their libido and shit. I you stopped know? answering all the questions on Whoop. I was like, I am not gonna hear any any shit from Justin today. <laughs> Yeah, funny Sexual story. Sexual activity, I, leaving it blank. Yeah, I actually have access to Macy's Whoop. So this is a, a sensor technology that tells uh, athletes about their sleep and all this other stuff. And uh, I have her password, so I'm, like, looking through her stuff all the time. But, uh, you know, some of this stuff is useful. Other stuff, it's kind of like, yeah. all right, I don't need to know that right now. But, right. Eh. I so, mean, what do you think of the app itself, Justin? I think the app... I think the app is pretty good. I think that it's very yeah. user friendly since they're a pretty new company, um, right. and the sensor technology is um, sort of the next wave. I think they have a very unique way of marketing HRV, which right. is different from just your resting heart rate. So your resting heart rate is how many beats per minute. Um, you know that you know that how many beats occur in one minute um, from your heart, and. Uh, heart rate variability, which is HRV, which is what the app uses uh, to 
um, essentially collect data and put together a specific algorithm is basically how, what's the distance between each heartbeat for all your heartbeats. And uh, a lot of scientific data out there suggests that the more variability you have, so like whether there's 0.2 seconds between one heartbeat and 0.4 between the next and then 0.44 between the next, the more variability in between heartbeats, the better your recovery. Um, which is why HRV in the app, it, when it's higher, it's better. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, it takes into a lot of different, um, factors, recovery, um, based on your sleep and based on your activity level. And then it uses that HRV to sort of mesh everything together. And it has a good interface. I mean, there aren't many other sensor technologies out there. I think Apple's going on the health side. Um, yeah. So I never found the Apple Watch to be super accurate, though, when I had it. Um, I have a Garmin now, though, but the Garmin's, like, pretty spot on with the Whoop. Really? Yeah. Um, I ended up getting a Garmin, like, right after my fight just because I run a lot. And um, it's got HRV. It measures, like, your stress level and all kinds of stuff. So it's pretty, it's pretty uh, similar to the Whoop. And I'm, like, basically blinged out all the time with just all these, like, there you go. <laughs> Weird, like apparatus shit on my wrist. I'm like, this is a lot. I see I'm a lot of doing the, it. I see a lot of the runners at my gym to use the Garmin. They all swear by them, so they're. Oh my god, it's yeah, amazing! It's yeah, insane. Spe- especially now during the quarantine, it's like I see them in nothing but the the running shorts, a vest, and the Garmin. They look like like fucking Terminators. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Jordan, you you're still um, rocking those silicon bands, bro. <laughs> bitch ass Rocket got shells. six silicon bands got Lance Armstrong I just I just like put, I put my fingers up to my neck and, and try and like do math when my heart is beating on my chest I'm like oh it's beating cool good enough for me today and that was that's, that's about that's about as crazy as I get yeah yeah, it's, it's pretty cool to see like the whoop um, like to go back and see like my assessment like during a fight camp versus out of a fight camp and uh you know just because you're you you can't there's not as much leniency when you're in a fight camp you know so you have to make sure you're going to bed at this time you know to, to make sure you're getting this amount of sleep and you know you're not drinking or doing any of this so like it's crazy to see like even having like one drink like i might have like maybe like whiskey neat like just one drink and the next day i'll wake up and it's like your HRV is low. Whoa. <laughs> Your resting heart rate is has shot up like ten. Right. It's crazy. How long do the so fight that's camps? That's pretty usually... cool. Oh well. How long do the fight camps usually last? Like do you you'll abstain from all drinking at that point as well? Like you said that I, I mean like pretty... it just depends on how far out I am, you know, and then it just does not help with anything drinking. I mean yeah. It, I mean, it messes up your recovery overnight and you just feel like shit the next day, even one drink, because I'm not used to drinking that much just because being in fight camps back to back, I mean, you really can't afford to do that to your body. Yeah. Um, and then the dehydration and, uh, I can really feel a difference like in fight camp, like having one drink, waking up the next day, maybe I'm like eight weeks out, 10 weeks out and I'm like, whoa, like, see, this is why I can't do this. You know, that's pretty um, wild. But it just depends on the fight. It depends on when I get the fight. You know, I've had a four-week fight camp, you know, like a three-and-a-half-week fight camp. And then I've had something that was like 12 weeks. So. Yeah. 
obviously as a, a coach that's helping a fighter um you know lose you know body fat and get to an appropriate position where they're able to uh, acutely lose an amount of weight safely to make weight and in this case this is 136 135 championship weight for for macy um we want as much time as possible um ideally 10 to 12 weeks is the target but in the ufc that's not always the case right um what what happens? They call you and they're just like, "Hey, you're fighting in this amount of time." Like, can you explain well, like the process? Yeah, I mean, so my coach is uh, pretty well known in the UFC. He's on really good terms with Dana and Mick Maynard, um, and my coach also acts as like a manager slash matchmaker. Um, so we usually we usually know who we're gonna fight ahead of time. We get to kind of like sit down and really talk about it. But there are times when the matchmaker will call my coach and say, hey, we need a replacement, you know, and it's one of those things where it's like, OK, you you always have to be ready, you know, but it's it's a lot harder for women. You know, and I think maybe you could like fill this in, Justin, but uh, yeah. but it's just, you know, three weeks out for someone, you know, especially women. I mean, that's that's hard to make three weeks out, you know, and my coach is always telling me like, hey, like, I'd really like you to walk around at like 150. I just, you know, something just maybe yeah. even like in the forties. And I'm like, coach, it's, it's just, it's, it's just really hard. Cause you need that recovery time after a fight, you know, yeah. my metabolism, I really messed up my metabolism when I was on the ultimate fighter. Cause I had to fight, I fought last each time on the show. And basically I had to make 145 and then I had one, like one week off. And then I had to make 145 again. Wow. So I yeah. had to make it twice in like a week and a half. You know, yeah, I was on like insane. this insane caloric deficit in the house. You know, I didn't have anyone. You don't have a nutritionist in there. You can't talk to anyone. So it's like, you're really like, I mean, it's blind. Like you really can't, you really don't know. Like you're like, I basically starved myself in there. I just didn't know. Yeah, there's really no other way to do it when you have like a week between fights and you have to make weight and like just drinking water is going to bring you up 10 pounds, you know. Um, I think that it's kind of a it's a give and take when it comes to how, how quickly you want to lose weight and how much you want to be at a caloric deficit. Like caloric deficits for women um, specifically can be extremely dangerous Um you know, for overall health, especially reproductive health. So it's, uh, you, you don't want to be at a caloric deficit for extended periods of time and dig yourself really deep into holes, um, you know, more than you have to, because it does have a long-term uh, sort of effect on some things. And one of those things specifically is reproductive health. Um, so that that's why it's better to be at extremely small caloric deficits over a longer period of time and then legitimately and i've talked with your fight uh week um coach eric eric piana is that how you say his last name pena pena okay um pena yeah yeah it's got the inya the tilde a little squiggly thing the tilde Tilde, he'll, sorry. he'll probably give me crap for saying his name wrong. But, uh, <laughs> he totally he's going to talk to him and be like, bro, bro, you bro, can't mess up hell? my name like that, bro. <laughs> he's so cool, though. I don't think he would do he anything like really that. He really is the coolest guy. Like, yeah. such a nice guy. And 
he genuinely like he cares about his fighters. I mean, he really does. Yes. yes. I mean, so that dude for, for those... would literally like fall off the end of the earth, like for and during fight week for his fighters. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, his devotion. Yeah. I really got a good sense of that working with them for your last fight. So basically, the way that it works for our audience is I worked uh, and work with fighters specifically in this case Macy uh, for her fight camp, and then uh, she works with Eric for fight week. So we're trying to get her at a good targeted body weight so that fight week, uh, when Eric works with her, things are a little bit easier. And this is where you really want to, um, you know, during fight week, avoid losing massive amounts of weight and being at an extremely large caloric deficit for extended period of time. And I think, um, I mean, you can speak a little bit uh, to it, but you said this was maybe uh, one or one of your easier weight cuts this last time that you fought. I mean, weight cuts in general are stressful, especially like with me, because I've never, you know, especially because like you and I were working together for the first time, you know, so like there's always like, because you don't know the end result yet, especially working with someone new. So like, I always like had that nervous factor and I've always had really hard weight cuts. I mean, like insane hard weight cuts even at 45 when I was in the house I mean just really bad and so that kind of puts like this PTSD type thing on you you know where you're like well I don't know like even though it's going well like I don't know like how fight week's gonna go like I'm I'm gonna end up like staying in the bathtub like for 24 hours you know like it's it, it it you're stressed out no matter what and honestly like this weight cut like I was the most well fed out of any other weight cut, I was eating more carbs than I had ever eaten before, even during fight week. Eric's like, I'm going to feed you some potatoes. And I was like, uh, <laughs> I was like, what? Like, I don't, I don't know about that, Eric. I don't like, I don't know if we should do that. And he's like, no, he's like, your weight's so good. He's like, I'm going to feed you some potatoes tonight. And I was like, okay. And, uh, you know, it's just like trusting the process and trusting my nutritionist and, uh, you know, and, and, you know, I mean, I've worked with nutritionists that kind of knew what they were doing, but not to the extent of like Justin, you know, so, um, eating carbs the week of, and then when I actually did like my weight cut, it was the easiest weight. I probably spent 45 minutes that morning and I was on weight. I'd never made actually 135 until now. And any other weight cut that I've had at 135 was like I made like the marker at 136 and it was like a struggle. It was a really bad struggle. Yeah. What 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 weight uh just for our audience, what weight are you typically um cutting from uh like before you start fight camp? Uh I don't know where what where was I at last time, Justin? I think you were close Usually. to 160, but now I think you yeah. sit lower because we've helped the metabolism we lost long-term body fat i think so yeah. i think you're in a position where you sit a little bit lower which is it's a good thing um, yeah usually i'm like 160 to like i guess like if i was really like kind of because like when i like in june or july i've had a lot of traumatic shit happen to me too which is always like like put your stress level up and that's you know that's awful for a female fighter, but you know, cause like I, like a crane fell through my apartment in June yeah, and then I ended up fighting in September and like, yeah. And, uh, so, I mean, I'm just eating way more now and I'm just 
I'm on such a good meal plan now. Uh, I'm so well fed and I'm sitting way lower. Like I'm at like 156 and a half right now. Yeah, that's, that's perfect. I think we, we actually, especially when we were regulating the metabolism, you were eating a lot more food than you were used to. You, um, you actually put on a little bit of lean muscle mass too, which makes the weight cut easier. Um, so the, the, the reason that is, is the muscle holds on to uh, glycogen, which is basically, um, you know, uh, a polymer, let's call it, of, of glucose, which is from carbohydrates, and it's stored in your muscles to provide your muscles with energy. And for every um, gram of glycogen, your, um, your body holds three grams of water. So you can imagine that when you're doing the, the week of uh, fight week, and you're trying to lose water acutely, so in a in a really rapid amount of time, the more muscle you have, the more water you're able to lose. So, I think that's that's a huge contributing factor. The two contributing factors was the metabolism was significantly increased, and we were giving you more food and even carbohydrates uh, late in the game, and then two, um, the increased amount of muscle mass. So, yeah, I. Uh... I, I noticed that I had a huge increase in muscle. So, I mean, even like, cause my coach always likes to film us coming out of the cage, like after a win. And he was like, I want you to look at this, this uh, video. And it was like a video of like my back. And I was like, holy shit. Like, I definitely like was like so much more lean this, uh, this fight camp, you know? And um, it's just, it's just insane. And it's such a, it's such a relief too, knowing that you're going to, you're going to be okay. You're going to make weight and you're not going to starve yourself or you don't have to be uncomfortable to do it. You know? Yeah. You don't want to be worried about that. Like you, you're about to get no. into a fist fight in a, in a cage, Literally. like not, not like an open field. Like when I used to fight in high school and I was a tool, like it'd be an open field. <laughs> and if you were getting beat up, you can start to run away a little bit. And then go fight someone else or come back in a cage. There ain't there there ain't no running away, and you're about to get in there with someone who is also highly trained. You don't want to be right. worried about your your weight cut right before yeah. and the the factors, um, as you said, like this PTSD that that you get from the weight cut of you know just you know any traumatic event people can. Um, you know, experience PTSD the next time that they have to do that. And you don't want to have to go through that. So uh, I'm glad that, you know, I was able to come in and provide some insight and stuff. And I'm excited to continue to, to, to work with you on all your fights um, towards the strap. I think it's, uh, I'm really, I'm really grateful that we connected. Um, but I also want to talk about your journey into mixed martial arts. So like, like, did it start off as, like, something you always wanted to do? Or was it like, oh, you know what? Like, I think, actually, I just like watching people do this and I want to do it. Or were you like, no, nah, like, I want to go beat some people up because I'm just, like, this pissed-off teenager. Like, what? Where, yeah. where was your head at when this started? Well, you know, I grew up in the streets and I was a crip. So I ended up, you know, wanted to jump into <laughs> MMA. Well done. <laughs> no, well done, no, right? <laughs> no, it's it's actually really funny because I uh, I just picked up some like really big sponsors, like a huge endorsement with uh, this awesome company called Dex Imaging. And they really just, they, they want to help, you know, um, children and, you know, underprivileged 
kids and stuff like that. So anyway, I won't I won't sit here and talk too long about them. But anyway, uh, when I met the CEO, uh, whether or not they, they didn't know if they wanted to sponsor me or not. And um, this is a huge endorsement. I mean, this is like a multi million dollar company. And uh, the first time he met me, he had a huge smile. And he was like, this was right before my last fight, I was cutting weight. And he was like, you are not what I was expecting. And I was like, I was like, what do you mean? Like, did you think I was gonna have like a teardrop, like tattooed underneath my eye, like scars all over my face, like just real hood? He's like, no, you're just so well spoken and you're pretty and this and that. And I was like, well, thank you. I was like, that that means a lot. Thank you. Yeah. But uh, no, I mean, I had an awesome childhood. My parents are amazing. Um, I grew up in a great neighborhood. I grew up like kind of near Bell Chase uh in a, in a gated community and um you know i think i i kind of give credit to my brother because he like you know he like picked on me so much growing up that i just wanted to rage when i got like close to 19. but no i uh right out right out of high school i um i went to the university of new orleans and uh, i played sports my whole life so uh, i was kind of just one of the, like always been one of those like really competitive people um, no matter what it was, but I never really like stuck to sports like I did when I like got introduced to martial arts and um, It just it was just something about it. I mean like it, it's so therapeutic I don't know if you guys have ever like taken a class or like punched something, but it's like it's really therapeutic and um, I kind of did this like self-defense called Krav Maga for about a year and uh, I ended up becoming like a certified instructor, did all this stuff and ended up teaching for like seven years at this at this Krav Maga place. But uh, about a year into that, I, I realized that you can't really like uh, compete in self-defense. Like you can't just like pick up a chair and like hit someone or like you can't just like <laughs> kick someone with balls. You know, you can't like just like poke someone's eyes out like competitively. You so... can't do that? This is America. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> You can do whatever the hell you want, honestly, but living in the wrong place. like sanctioned. Yeah, you can't be biting people and shit. I don't know. Mike Mike uh Mike Tyson did that though, right? Didn't he like bite some? Yeah. Vander Holyfield bit his yeah. uh bit a little chunk right off his ear. But anyway, I mean I uh ended up training uh at the small gym a year into kind of that self-defense and I didn't know what the hell I was doing honestly I was like I just want to try and compete you know I had this like I had this urge it's something that I've like I, I just really like enjoyed doing and um my first amateur fight I had no I had no idea what the hell I was doing I was in there it was a 145 fight um like the ref says go and it was Rich Clemente Rich Clemente was a former UFC fighter and he was like he was roughing our fight and uh this girl just like runs at me like and I was just like oh my god so like I just started jabbing like all I threw was jabs like I just it's it was like I didn't know how like what else to do and I honestly TKO'd this girl with just jabs but I had no idea like what a TKO was like I was just hitting her and like she fell and Rich Clemente like you know did the little like hands out like okay fight's over and i just ran back to my corner like ready to go again i was like okay we're gonna go again right (laughs) and uh yeah so like i think like it it was kind of like that runner's high you know like you do like a marathon like after you're like oh my god like that was insane but like i want to do it again 
it was kind of one of those things for me. And um, honestly, playing sports growing up, like this was by far the most complex, hardest, mentally and physically, like sport I've ever done in my life. Just obsessed with it. Yeah, it has to be an obsession. I mean, to to go in there. Um, Yeah, this is hilarious. I feel like I see that in a lot of fights. Um, what's that dude's name? Conor McGregor like jokingly called him out uh, not too long ago. Um, it wasn't, wasn't Khabib? It was the no, no. It was it's it's some dude that uh, Diego Sanchez. If you oh, go back God. and look at if you go back and look at so Diego Sanchez is a fighter for the UFC, but uh, <laughs> Diego Sanchez. If you go I'm back, I'm pretty and look sure at we high, fought on the same card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, and you gotta go. Did you listen to that corner work? Which one? Which the, one? His last fight. His last fight. We fought on the same card at uh, yeah. in New Mexico. Yeah, and yeah. like this dude is like his coach is like a Sistema guy. Like this dude, like you know Sistema. Like when people run into this person that does Sistema and they just like put their hand out like they're Jesus and yeah. they like fall. That's like that's the kind of coaches <laughs> like Diego Sanchez's coaches. And you should, if you haven't, go back and hear the corner work that his coach oh, is giving goodness. him. Yeah, it I haven't heard insane. it. I looked up highlights with him, though, and it legitimately is just like this hardcore music and him him and his opponent just like running on each other. Just like one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two. <laughs> it's so funny. And then uh, the, uh, that's the reason I'm bringing this up, but it brings up something else funny. I've seen Diego, because he got need illegally. Yeah. And in his last fight and he Yeah, won he was losing his, that fight too. He was losing that fight and yeah. um and he he posts something like uh, cuz Conor McGregor said Conor McGregor versus Diego Sanchez. Like obviously as a joke, like Conor McGregor's not yeah. going to fight Diego Sanchez, you know. And uh, Diego Sanchez, you know, took it as like a real thing and like made a post about it and then Conor <laughs> McGregor posted like uh, nice work Diego Sanchez intelligently fought win. <laughs> It's like, dude, you got to, you got to legally need like, it's so funny, but uh, it's, yeah, this reminds me of that like amateur fighting and like these things like when you don't really know what to do, but you actually stay composed and like actually yeah. use your jab, you know. I think I just like blacked out a little bit, honestly. <laughs> like if you go back and look at like the pictures of them raising my hand, it looks like I'm looking like into the abyss. Like my eyes are huge. I'm like in shock, like, oh my God, I did not realize like an MMA fight was going to be like this crazy, like this violent. <laughs> <laughs> like, what did you expect? I mean, yeah, there, there's nothing, I think, unless you've been in a fight and then you take it to the exponential level of being in a fight in a cage. I mean, the only thing, I've, I've never been in a fight. I remember one time in a rugby game, I called this guy out because he kept hitting some of my smaller players. And I said to him, if you do that again i'm gonna lay your ass out and i i blacked out and then i just remember punching one of my teammates because they picked me up off the guy and i was like oh okay Shit. <laughs> yeah and, uh, guy. well i just kind of start i i like i said i just blacked out and went after the kid yeah. and and that obviously that's not the way when you're <laughs> going into a cage fight like you don't, you just don't do that but that's that's the thing i've enjoyed about reading up and watching highlights is that the the amount of skill and like like surgical precision that you have of just seeing an opening and then having to like you know either rip somebody's leg off or 
or hit them really hard to make them go back it's just it's incredible so i can't imagine how like all the training that goes yeah. into it to it starts fight. to become like masked a little bit because mm-hmm. when you start fighting someone who's high level like you it, it can really start to like like some people will look at it and be like wow this is a boring fight and it's like well actually like both of these people are really highly skilled and it's it's harder in in that sense you know for sure i think i like it almost to like a chess match you know when when you have people that when you have people that understand something it's like when uh like if you grow up in the u.s how everybody watches baseball or football and you can kind of get the understanding of it but when you show somebody that's never seen the sport before they're like why are they stopping every 10 seconds why is this taking so long you know right yeah, for sure. Unless, unless you're a coach or a fighter, you really don't understand what the hell is going oh, on. Like, God, I'm no. with my buddies, no. and I'm like, I'm like, oh, yeah, like, oh, he's guard. He's got him in guard. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Like, yeah. Uppercut. Like, like, the dude's all the way across the cage. You're like, uppercut. Yeah. I love the guys. You're like, if I was in there, like, no, just shut up. No. Yeah, but that's what every, – because everybody thinks that they can relate to it more than they actually can. But the reality is, yeah. is like – they're looking like one fighter is looking at the other fighter's movements. They're seeing how they're fainting. They're seeing like it, it's a lot more than just like take the person down and and um, you know submit them or oh you missed that you missed that opportunity um, you know to to hit them there or whatever it might be you know um, so uh, it, it's just hilarious. But I think that it's very very. Um, difficult at least for me to even imagine getting in a cage with someone that i'm not like angry at like right that's 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 insane i think like yeah like based on macy your mentality and stuff you're not like oh i'm gonna get myself angry at this person by making which a lot of ufc fighters do they're they're like i need to get angry because it's gonna help me uh prepare for this fight and they start this is why they talk shit and it helps with promotion and everything else Well, for some people it's like it might be personal for them you know especially like the khabib and mcgregor type thing yeah but i always like i I internally like want to hurt someone like i'm not like angry at them but i'm just like i'm like well we're both going in there and like we both have the same idea right and like you want to take away what's important to me so like that's kind of the way like i hype it up in my head like yeah. I'm, ne- I've never ever been angry at like my opponent. Like I'm always like super respectful, like nice, you know, um, unless they have a problem. But I-, I try to stay composed. But I get hyped up because like it is the name of the game. Like I'm competitive as hell, and like when I go in there, I'm like, you want to take this away from me, like, you know. So I'm not angry at them, but I definitely try to hype it up a little bit. That's just kind of the way I am. Yeah, that's a good way to yeah. do it. It makes sense. And uh, if you're, you know, also like I think that as an individual athlete, there's a lot that goes behind like people depending on you. Like you right. hired me as your coach. You have Eric as your right. coach. You have your other coaches that you work with, all of your, you know, your sparring, your wrestling and all these other things. And right. um, a lot of time and stuff has gone into this and you put a lot of time. You, you're the primary person putting in that time and you want to go in there and showcase all the work that you put in. And I think that, um, you know, that's, that, that's definitely has to be a part of it for individual athletes and why they're able to do this. But for someone that, um, you know, freaking yells when he's getting a tattoo, <laughs> I'm, I can't even imagine going in there and like getting my nose broken and still being able to fight after like, that's just, 
it's insane. Uh, yeah. I guess hard times make hard men, but I don't have to be hard, so why the hell? But you, you do have to train for those situations, you know, because, like, ever since yeah. I moved to, like, Dallas and came to Fortis, like, my coach, Safe, he, you know, he, I mean, he knows, like, it's war in there. He talks to us, like, every every night, like, before and after practice. He's like, it's war. Like, no one gives a shit about you. Like, you're going in there. He's like you break your hand, you do this, you do that. He's like, you keep fighting. And it's kind of like, he puts us through like the ringer. Like we go through really hard, like sparring sessions. Um, and he'll even have like, he'll even stop like everyone else from sparring to watch you spar to kind of like intensify like that moment, you know, because that's, what's going to happen when you go in the cage. Like people are judging you, people are watching you, you know, are you going to be a little bitch about this or that? Or are you going to keep going? You know? So I really yeah. like that. He puts us through like that mental state all the time because you, it's never going to be a perfect night. I mean, you're not going to have a perfect night. You train so hard 12 weeks every single day for this one night where you're going in the cage with 15 minutes, you know, it's yeah. never going to go your way. Yeah. So you got to fight through adversity no matter what. And uh, I mean, this last fight, I was in such good shape too. And I didn't realize like the elevation, like it was like 6,500 elevation in New Mexico. Oh, wow. <laughs> I did not, not yeah, I did not realize like that that was going to like kind of like be a factor, but I was in such good shape that it, it really didn't. I mean, I could feel it for sure, but and like I said, again, like it's one of those adversities you have to fight through. Like you've prepared, you've come this far, like no matter what, you can't let shit like that stop you. It's all in your head. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that all, all of that, I guess, supersedes like, um, you know, you know, not having confidence in the ring and stuff like that. I mean, you, you showcased this when you fought one of your good friends in a tough finale, right? I mean, this was yeah. somebody that you knew. And right. you had to go in there and, and win if you wanted to be the tough winner, and you did it. But um, you know that it's not that the friendship wasn't important to you. It's just that you've also been working really hard, um, you know, on your career as a fighter. And this is the opportunity you've been waiting for. How can you um, not go in there and give it give it your all? You know. Yeah, and I think it just depends like who it is, because like. Panny and I were really close on the show and we were on the same team and um this was for the tough finale I had to fight my friend Panny and um she uh like she's always been like like a go-getter like like she's she's always been down to fight like she's never been like that type of person that talks shit she's just like let's go in there and do the shit like let's go in there and like fuck each other up you know yeah. so she's always had that mentality because it's like at the end of the day it's a sport it's a competition like you know, like when in the NFL, people are going to play their friends all the time. You know, they make a good right. play. You help them up. You're like, all right, good job, bro. Like, you know, so it was like when we went, like when we got in the cage and we were looking across from each other, we just started nodding our heads like, let's fucking do this. Like, let's <laughs> like, let's put on a good fight, you know? And yeah. I think it's like, it's just one of those things. So yeah, you're, an, and, you're an entertainer, too, you know? Right, exactly, yeah. and, you know, after, and I knew, like, it's also weird in a sense that you know exactly, like, each other's style, because we train together, 
And so we knew we knew what to expect from each other in a sense, you know, which is also kind of weird because it's like, oh, well, she knows I'm, I might be like kind of bad at this. Like she knows my weaknesses. So, you know, second round, I got a second round submission on her. And right after I submitted her, I just hugged her, you know, because we both like we both trained like our whole life to get to this point. Like this was our way into the UFC. You know, it was a big moment for both of us. And I didn't want to like celebrate and take that moment away from her, you know? Yeah. So, you know, respectful, but we were both down to fight. And I just know like if I would have lost that fight, she would have been the same way, like super respectful. So. Yeah, it makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I know in the midst of this COVID stuff, it's crazy. You're not sure. But um, do, when do you anticipating fighting again? Do you have anyone in mind that that or s- someone you've talked about with your manager slash coach? that you're looking to fight? Yeah, I mean, we haven't, you know, we definitely want, I mean, we wanted to fight Nico again since Nico pulled out of the last fight and I got a last minute replacement. But I mean, at this point, we don't really know like her intentions, you know, like I don't want to have to try and like rematch up with someone who has no intention of intention of fighting me anyway. It's a waste right. of my time, you know, and right. I'm trying to work back down into the rankings. I'm 11 right now. Like I want to get down in like top five and it's just, that's not going to help. So, you know, I'd like to fight someone uh, below 10, try to move up in the rankings. And um, I mean, we really just don't know right now. I mean, I have a, I'm pretty sure they're still going on with UFC 249, April 18th. And we have yeah, like, doing. we have a few. Yeah, we have a few guys that are fighting on that card from our gym, like Uriah Hall That's and awesome. Ryan Spann. Oh, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I mean, the problem is, is that we can't really, unless you've, like, quarantined with your partner, like, you can't really, like, how are you supposed to train? Right. You know, how are you supposed to fight? How are you supposed to grapple and all that stuff? Yeah. Uh, but I, I would imagine as soon as this is all over and they lift the stay at home, uh, they're going to start cranking out fights left and right so it's kind of one of those things where we need to just stay ready no matter what you know do our best to train by ourselves and be on our on our nutrition and stuff like that and just be ready to fight three or four times like in this year yeah they're gonna try to they're definitely gonna try to make the best fights so yeah hopefully you can get a top 10 opponent next i mean you've you've won a number of fights now i think i don't see why not and there's a lot of i don't see why not either so. Yeah, I think there are a lot of good op- opponents for you in the top ten that uh, you're extremely comp- extremely competitive with, and um, yeah, you got to keep elevating. So um, yeah. that that reminds me, I have to um, send you a, your new nutrition plan. So for the listeners, after a fighter is done uh, with their fight camp, they they typically um, in, in their fight week and their fight. Uh, you know, we typically put them on a reverse dieting phase. So we don't want them gaining all the weight back that we just help them lose immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of reasons for that. And I won't go into the science today, but um, we're, we're slowly adding in uh, more calories. Um, it's typically called a reverse dieting phase. So I need to send that over to you and, um, you know, keep, uh, you know, make, make making sure that uh, you keep, uh, keep ready during this time because when... Um, when the the lights green, you best believe they're gonna be trying to book something for you. So oh, they're gonna be cranking out a lot of fights. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So um, 
That was awesome. Uh, I had a really great time talking to, to, to you about, um, you know, your experience as a fighter, some of the mentality that goes behind, um, you know, both getting in a cage with someone and also, um, you know, your fight camp and your fight week nutrition. And I'm looking forward to uh, continuing to help you. So um, thanks for coming on today, Macy. It was awesome. Yeah, thank you. No, thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate you guys taking the time out of your day, even though I know you guys aren't really busy right now. So. Hey, now. Hey, now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good. We, we, uh, we had a great time. So, all right. If, um, if you have, uh, if you would like any to work with any of our sponsors or uh, to get discounts on any of those products that we mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, please check our uh, show notes and please subscribe with your preferred podcast app. This is the Starving Podcast and we are out. Bye. Peace.